0: is our business it's like
1: nothing we've dealt with before my golly jim i'm beginning to think i can cure a rainy day i can't change the laws of physics
2: now in standard orbit sir Welcome, everyone, to Standard Orbit, Trek FM's dedicated podcast that covers the original and new cast of Captain Kirk and the Enterprise. I am Ken Tripp. This is my second solo effort on Standard Orbit, but it is done with a bit of a heavy heart. Now, you know, Zach and I joke a lot about being off filming the Green Berets and all different things. They just kind of have fun at this. But this one is done because, well, there's a lot of damage inflicted on Houston and its impact close to home with my partner, Zach. He is assessing all the impacts that he has and trying to get his life back in order down there. We offer our prayers and assistance to him and to the folks of Houston. Zach, hang tough, brother. Now, one of the things Zach and I had come up with conceptually was to start doing a series on the best Star Trek moments in Star Trek movies. Now, what do we define as a Star Trek moment? The scenes that encapsulate what is special about the crew, the chemistry that instantly makes you smile or appreciate that we are back in the Trek universe. My initial thoughts were to go in order and to talk about the three best Trek moments scenes in the motion picture and the Wrath of Khan and all the way down the line, but we've done a lot of episodes on those two movies in particular somewhat recently. And we recently did a full review of all of them in the episode Trek at its best, episode 165. So I'm going to start with Star Trek 2009, for I wouldn't dare to do Star Trek The Search of Spock without Zach. Now, full disclosure, I am a fan of Star Trek 2009, and I do enjoy the Kelvin Timeline. Now, 2009, it wasn't perfect, but it was epic. It pulled in Spock from TNG, and it gave the opportunity for my favorite Trek characters to come back and launch another series of great adventures. All of the timeline talk about Kelvin and Prime to me is noise, and that I don't get wrapped up in it at all, and I believe that is something everyone out there is aware of by now. My criteria is simple. Is it Trek? Is it entertaining? Do they capture the spirit? And the answer is... Yes, yes, and yes. Star Trek 2009 captures one of the most beautifully impactful moments in all of Star Trek history, in my opinion. And it starts with that beginning scene with the birth of James T. Kirk. Now, this scene, this brilliant special effects, gorgeous music, this whole mosaic comes together, I think, so perfectly. And it's so... Bang! You know, we are going to get right into Star Trek and we are going to do an origin story, something we've never seen. And we're going to see the birth of James D. Kirk. And, well, before I get into it any further, here's a sample from that scene.
1: What is it? It's a boy. A boy? Tell me about it. He's beautiful. George, you should be here. Impact alert. What are we gonna call him? We can name him after your father. Tiberius? You kidding me? No, that's the worst. Let's name him after your dad. Let's let's call him Jim.
2: So in the movie notes for this episode, I will definitely include the YouTube link. YouTube link, excuse me, for this for this very very impactful scene. If you hadn't seen it a while, or haven't watched the movie in a while, it's very emotional, and it still gets me to this day. Now I know I've been getting softer and softer in my old age, but for whatever reason, whether it's all the drama, the explosions, with the soft beautiful music playing in the background, the realization that. George Kirk is never going to see his son, and the impact when his wife realizes this, all of it coming together, I thought was just played beautifully. It was one of the best scenes of any of the J.J. Abrams films, and it still plays very, very, very well for me today. And I thought that if you want to capture Star Trek, boy, does that certainly do. The risk of being in outer space, the, the unknown, right? You never know what you're going to encounter out there. And then for... I guess for Kirk to come into the scene, come come into Star Trek history this way, it was just so appropriate. Just so appropriate that this is the way that James Kirk enters this Federation, enters this universe. So so well done. So that this was such an appropriate way to launch New Trek. Now the next favorite scene for me, and I'm going to go in, in chronological order in here because we're going to talk talk about the top 3 and My second one is when Bones is introduced. Why? Because it is just, Carl Urban nails this character. DeForest Kelly should be so proud and smiling for the way that Carl Urban introduced Dr. McCoy into the Star Trek universe for the first time. You know, just being crusty old doctor, not wanting to uh, follow the rules, scared to death of space travel, the whole nine yards, caustic as all get out. And it sets up, I think, the perfect introduction for the stage for this dynamic relationship between Bones and McCoy, and then eventually Spock. So, here, take a listen.
0: I told you people, you, you, I don't need a doctor. Well, damn need, it, I am a doctor. You need to get back to your safety. I had one in the bathroom you need with no to get windows. Back to your seat I suffer now. from aviophobia. It means fear of dying. Sir, is for something your own safety, sit down, or else I'll make you sit down. Fine. Thank you. This is Captain Pike. Would you clear for takeoff?
1: I may throw up on you. I think these things are pretty safe. Don't pander to me, kid. One tiny crack in the hull, and our blood boils in 13 seconds. Soul Flare might crop up, cook us in our seats. And wait till you're sitting pretty with a case of Andorian shingles. See if you're still so relaxed when your eyeballs are bleeding. Space is disease and danger wrapped in darkness and silence. Well, I hate to break this you, but Starfleet operates in space. Yeah, well, I've got nowhere else to go. The ex-wife took the whole damn planet in the divorce. Left is my bones. Jim Kirk.
2: McCoy. Leonard Now, as far as the introduction to McCoy, there was one element I wish they had put a little bit more in from the original series, and that is to where he got his nickname. Now, from all the reading I've done, there is no official, quote-unquote, canon, which I love that term when we talk about movies. But anyway, any rate, it's not official canon explanation. But what I read was the theory that, that Bones' name came up from, from Shatner, um, you know, Sawbones or using the expression for an old country doctor. And if Kirk were to originate that nickname, I thought it would have been pretty cool. And it would have been a little bit more consistent with what we figured out to be his nickname versus him talking about his wife taking everything but his bones. But anyway, I thought it worked perfectly. And, you know, we already saw earlier in the movie kind of the introduction to to Spock. We had a very big introduction to Kirk, very dramatic. Bone comes into the movie, I think, in the perfect way. And I thought the introductions, really, if you go in order, the introduction of Kirk, the introduction of Spock, the introduction of Scotty, and the introduction of of, of Bones were all beautifully done, just beautifully done. It really captured the essence of the characters. The rest of the supporting cast, it was pretty good with O'Hura. With you know, unfortunately, neither Sulu nor Chekhov got big introductions, but they all had pretty cool scenes to play in this movie. And that is one thing that J.J. J. Abrams did right, is he gave everybody their quote-unquote moments and he found a way to work it all in and i thought that was that was pretty cool. Now when you think of Star Trek 09 i think there's a lot of really great scenes in this movie. There really is. There's uh there's there's the whole Kirk meets Spock down on the ice planet. There's the the death of Vulcan itself. There's the incredible space battles or or even them confiscating the jellyfish ship from the Narada. A lot of great scenes. But you know, for the third favorite scene in my opinion, one that really captures Star Trek. It would have to be that final special Star Trek moment was the closing scene with Nimoy and Kunto and the Spock to Spock talk. Now, this was so special because he speaks to the friendship that would define them, and that really is the foundation of Star Trek. Trek would not be around today if the Kirk-Spock friendship did not evolve in the way that it did over time. We learn of the Federation's, its values, and its purpose. Largely from these two people. Now that's not to say that the other cast members don't help in bring that story holistically to us, but those are the two that started off. And I thought the conversation between Quinto and Leonard Nimoy, boy, just seeing them both in the same frame was fantastic, knowing that they even developed a chemistry. Off screen, I think, helps a lot. I'm not sure why that does, but it's just one of those things you want. You're hoping that you see, if you see good things on screen, that it's also occurring off screen. It's a very, very normal thing, right? Well, these two did have a great chemistry, but this scene in particular, I thought, was crucial and it set the stage for the rest of the films to come. So let's have a listen to this.
1: Father. I am not our father. There are so few Vulcans left, we cannot afford to ignore each other. Then why did you send Kirk aboard when you alone could have explained the truth? Because you needed each other. I could not deprive you of the revelation of all that you could accomplish together, of a friendship that will define you both in ways you cannot yet realize.
2: How did you persuade him to keep your secret?
1: He inferred that universe-ending paradoxes would ensue should he break his promise. You lied. Oh, I, I implied. A gamble? An act of faith. One I hope that you'll repeat in the future at Starfleet. In the face of extinction, it is only logical I resign my Starfleet commission and help rebuild our race. And yet you can be in two places at once. I urge you to remain in Starfleet. I have already located a suitable planet on which to establish a Vulcan colony. Spock, in this case, do yourself a favor. Put aside logic. Do what feels right. Since my customary farewell would appear oddly self-serving, I shall simply say, good luck.
2: Now, if you haven't gone through that scene in a while and really understood where Spock is, let's say, for the lack of a better term, Prime Spock is at this point. You know, he comes in right on the tail end of where TNG has ended for us, right, in the movies. And he's evolved. He sees things through a very different lens. Things are not always about logic. Spock, who's trying to work through his emotions Very different, Spock, than what we knew of in the, um, oh, here we go again, in the prime timeline. But yet, the compassion that prime Spock, or Nimoy Spock, let's put it that way, has, and his maturity and understanding and dealing with emotions and doing what's right. I love that scene. Do what feels right. I also love that line, (laughs) because it would be oddly self-serving. I wish you good luck. And Nimoy delivers those lines flawlessly, just like a dad would be to his son, as he's walking him through what he expects and to understand that things will evolve and things will change. And we don't really see that a lot in the next movie, Into Darkness. They tried too hard in that movie, I think. But in Star Trek Beyond, I think we see the Spock that we come to know a lot better. We certainly get to know and see all the characters so much better in Star Trek Beyond, which I believe is on par, maybe even a little better than Star Trek 09. But I'm curious, what say you? So what are the three scenes, in your opinion, from Star Trek 2009 that really epitomize Star Trek? What was it? What were those three scenes? And Maybe some of you didn't find it. And if you didn't, I'm curious to know why. Because, you know, Star Trek 09, it's not a highly controversial film. I think people over time have kind of warmed up to it. There are some people that will never accept Trek for anything beyond, well, some some of them, the original series. Some of them TNG. Some of them not going backwards at all. Probably a lot of people who haven't seen Enterprise yet for, for certain reasons. But I think Star Trek 09... Captures it magnificently. Was it perfect, like I said? No, but there were great Star Trek moments. The only thing I wish they had done or they had been a little bit more careful was with the Enterprise. I don't mind that it's bigger than the Enterprise D. In fact, that's fine with me, but the design of the ship just really didn't capture it. And I think they did try to make the Enterprise a main character of the movie. I do. I just thought they could have done a little bit of better work in the design. And they tried to capture, I think, a little bit too much between the movies and the original series. And it just came out. I know they were looking for a hot rod. Maybe that's what it is. It has too much of a 1950s feel with it with those huge engines. But as far as the bridge and all that other stuff, I know people say, hey, it's an iTunes store. I think it looks great. I think that's as futuristic as it should be in this timeline going forward, especially with we know with technology today. But again... I will say this, what say you? So please, let's engage. You like how I did that? On the Babel Conference this week, tell me your thoughts on the best Star Trek moments of 09. We're going to pick it up with Into Darkness probably in a few weeks. I'd like to do that with Zach. Hopefully he'll be back by then. But in the meantime, if he's still offline getting things squared away, we'll find some extra guests to bring in and talk through on the show. Because this doing it all by myself thing, while fun, it's not really all that interactive. So I hope you do appreciate this. I hope you like the clips that we played, do something a little bit differently on this, and that you give us the feedback. So please, enjoy the show. Enjoy Star Trek, the 09 version, as much as you can. If you haven't seen it in a while, I had to rewatch it. I, I would impress upon you to rewatch it. I hadn't seen it in a bit, and it was, it was fun kind of reliving it. So. Previously on Trek.fm, The Edge, a Star Trek Discovery podcast. I, I think there's a better chance of what happens in the comics reflecting the television show as opposed to, like, the first TNG comic that had, like, the two bickering uh, husband and wives that worked on the bridge, the Bickleys or whatever, and they ran around in capes for some reason. And it's just like, they had these that's, really... That's really, like, in it, my head, yeah, that's you Yeah,
0: right?
2: <laughs> <laughs> to the journey! Beep. And so I could see the Hirogen viewing themselves as very noble, very civilized. They don't mm-hmm. let their prey suffer. But really, they're doing these horrific things, just like we do here in the yeah. real world when we have to go fight wars.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think they go home and they write an epic poem about it, and that makes it okay. <laughs> <laughs> the, the Hirogen equivalent of Beowulf. Right? Warp 5. Gary Graham had a, came over and said a couple of nice things. But the funny thing was he said... I've been on this show for four years. This is my first day on the bridge. You're over there firing the phasers.
0: What is going on? Standard orbit. I was really hoping that Quinto would have a uh, tie-in to you know when the Hobbit trilogy came out you know a few years ago. It's like oh they might tie into that and Quinto can have a remix of the Ballad of Go Baggins. They, they didn't quite <laughs> go there, did they? So
2: no, they they did not. They did not. But you know there are certain things that you can, I guess mirror or remake that is not something
0: that should ever be remade and that's what else is happening on trek.fm so check out these shows and find out what we're talking about in your favorite corner of the star trek universe and beyond You'll find us wherever you get your podcast. If you're an Apple user, get the show on iTunes or the Apple Podcasts app. Be sure to hit the subscribe button. That helps us greatly and makes it easier for other listeners to find the show. If you're not an Apple user, we've got you covered as well. You can find our shows on Stitcher, TuneIn, Speaker, SoundCloud, Windows Phone, and of course you can stream and download the MP3 file from our website and grab the RSS link as well. If you'd like to get in touch with us here at Trek
2: FM, you can always find us on TrekFN slash contact. And look in the sidebar on the show page, or you can go to speakpipe.com slash trekfm, and please leave us a voice message. You can also contact us through Twitter at trekfm, or on Facebook at facebook.com slash trekfm, and of course in the Babel Conference. Type Babel Conference, that's B-A-B-E-L, into the search field on Facebook, or go to our website at trekfm and click discussion on the menu bar. Another way you can help us keep all of our shows coming to you each week is to become a patron on the network on Patreon. If you visit Patreon slash TrekFM that's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash TrekFM you'll find the current goals and different milestone contributions along with all the great perks we have for you. These perks include early access to content exclusive content, producer credits, seats on our content development team and more. We really appreciate any support you can give us and hope you'll join the team. Again, you'll find all the details on Patreon dot com slash TrekFM Speaking of Patreon, thank you as always to our great associate producers for Standard Orbit. We have Renee Roberts, Norman Lau, Aaron Harvey, Tim Robertson, Nick Anastasio, Richard Marquez, and Corey Elrod.
0: Yes, thank you guys so much for your support for both Standard Orbit and Trek FM. Uh, so, Ken, if people want to find you out there on the internet, where can they find you? Hi, you can find me
2: hanging around the Babel Conference and engaging people when I, when I have the opportunity. You can also find me on Twitter. My uh, Twitter handle is at BostonSCPO. And we, uh, we like to tweet out all our new episode information as soon as we get it, as
0: well as, well as our colleagues. So look for me there. As for me you can find me on twitter at moronzach. that's m o o r e o n z a c h, and i'm also the host of my own podcast always hold on to smallville where we talk about each and every episode of that young superman series from the early 2000s and you can find us on twitter at always with one s so thanks everyone for listening and join us again next time here on trek fm for another episode of standard orbit